0: It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear, plus my friends in the third row, and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Rera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we've got a massive show for you all today. We've got a... News update of all things NWSL. And of course, we're going to hit you with our NWSL 2023 mock draft. But a quick reminder before we get into everything, the NWSL draft is this Thursday, January 12th. And Attacking Third has you covered. Not only are we going to attend the draft in Philadelphia, but you can download, follow, subscribe, like, and comment on Attacking Third. Subscribe to us on YouTube and give our videos a thumbs up. YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. You're going to get exclusive draft content from us, preview, recaps, interviews, everything here on A3. Lisa. Good morning. Good morning to everyone in the chat. Good morning. Good morning. Are you, Lisa? Are you ready to do just a, a <laughs> ginormous, a big, old, a big ass episode?
0: Let's get it in. <laughs> it is the, probably one of the biggest episodes we've done in a long time. In a long time, just like a little sneak peek behind the scenes for people joining us on YouTube, welcome in, or listening as a pod. We create rundowns on Google Docs. We both have access to them. And usually they're about a page, right? Like there's, it's not too much in there. It's more just like headlines that we're going to hit on, like the, the way we're going to run through the show, our rundown today is like many pages long because there's just so much that we have to talk about. So much has been happening. It's draft week. NWSL draft is in two days. It's in Philadelphia, so all my peeps are coming to town, which I'm so excited about. I've gotten a couple texts from uh, people that are attending the draft, working the draft, uh, asking me where I'm staying, where they're staying, and I'm like, guys, home sweet home for me. I am staying in my bed for this week, and I am so thrilled. As someone that travels constantly. What feels like every single weekend uh, during the NWSL season to call games and to broadcast other things like that. I am just so thrilled that everyone is now coming to me and I get to stay in my bed, my own bed, which is amazing. Uh, But I'm really excited for the draft to see you, to hang out with everyone and and to get a glimpse at the 2023 rookie class in the NWSL and all that they can do. I am uh, looking forward to look, let's be real here the number
2: one thing I'm looking forward to the most is getting into Philly, linking up with you saying, Hey, getting, getting the, getting the official A3 hug in with you. But, um, I'm excited to to reconnect with, with tons of folks. I know we're not going to be the only ones out there covering this draft. So it's going to be good to see, uh, lots of folks in general. Um, and just sort of see the excitement, right. From, uh, potential draftees and their families and, and, and their friends who are probably joining them for, for a really big event. Um, in their in their life, and I'm I'm excited that we're gonna <laughs> I'm excited to do this mock draft because of course we're probably gonna revisit our mock draft and talk about how incorrect we were in terms of the selections and, and how they went because anything can happen on 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 draft day. I mean, my goodness, we already had a really big shakeup ahead of the draft that shook things around. I mean, there's a reason why I'm on here rocking my Angel City hat today. They are now the holders of the number one selection overall. We're gonna chat all about it but we actually want to make sure that we start off this episode with all of the news portion. We want to make sure that everybody is caught up on everything before we actually do the NWSL mock draft. So for this uh, first half of the episode, we're going to chat all about NWSL news that dropped what felt like all day on Monday (laughs) yesterday. Um, But really since uh, the last time we we've seen anyone since our previous episode. So we really have to start, I think with the NWSL investigation news, Um, We saw corrective actions and sanctions released and announced by the league in light of the joint team investigations uh, full release in December. And we had wondered, uh, what's that next step? Right. What is that? uh, What is that official final turning of the page look like for the league as they prepare uh, to really kick off? 2023 right to really take that first step into this next era this new year and we saw a lot of things um drop you know lists a long list essentially of a of consequences um you know by the league uh, in terms of uh, different levels and, and areas so we saw um uh, across the board, a wide range of, of permanent bans, um, conditional bans, um, conditional um, f- potential future employment, um, fines like very very large first of their kind types of fines um, for 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 clubs. So we can just maybe sort of run down um, these list of things uh, for for folks to sort of um, get caught up. Coaches who are permanently banned, who will no longer um, ever set foot in, in NWSL and in any capacity. Uh, former head coaches, Paul Riley, uh, Christy Holly, Rory Dames, and Richie Burke. Uh, those four uh, people issued permanent bans and will no longer... Um have a place in NWSL. There was also yeah. bans uh for coaches and executives as well, but these are conditional. Uh they, they there's a deadline on them um through 2025. Um so it was interesting to sort of see to see that level um for this one. We saw listed here Craig Harrington, a former uh Red Stars assistant and former Utah Royals head coach, but also Elise Hugh, uh a former Chicago Red Stars, and then Gotham FC. Uh, general manager, and then ultimately uh, also held the role of vice president uh, for some time with with Gotham FC as well. So the league here um, in issuing this sanction saying that, you know, future employment um, is at the discretion of the commissioner, uh, but that those two have to participate um, in training amongst other things. But the interesting component for this, for me, Lisa, as we get into some of these um, conditional things, um, there's also an admittance of wrongdoing within, within some of these categories, which for me I thought was a very interesting component within this, because I think for some to sort of take a look at that, um, that could have a perception or be perceived as, uh, you know, basically like an admission of, of guilt in, in some capacity. So to sort of see um, some of these names listed in, in the sanctions with that really stood out for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up because it was almost like three different levels of these sanctions. The first one being that um, these coaches are banned completely, right? As you mentioned, Riley, Holly, Dames and Burke banned completely and and entirely. And then the two executives uh, and coaches that are just uh, like banned until 2025 and then other coaches on conditional future employment, meaning that they do have to uh, kind of run through a checklist a series of things. And, and one of those being that they have to acknowledge their wrongdoing and accept their personal responsibility for the inappropriate conduct, participating. Um, then, also after they do that, participating in training and demonstrating that they have a sincere commitment to correcting their behavior, which is a quote from the league per their statement. Um, and I thought that part was really interesting. It's not just like you have to pay this money, you have to wait a couple years, then you can come back into this league. There's almost these like moral checkpoints that uh, the league is making these executives do to to, in order to work back in this league or to work back with a club. Um, And I like that, frankly. It's not just like check a box, do a training class and and, uh, check out of it because, I mean, in the case of specifically Richie Burke, formerly with Washington Spirit, he didn't admit to anything that he did, right? Like it was more of those top level coaches, but not saying like, yes, like I did this and instead saying I didn't know there was Jewish people on the team and and so I could make those comments. And like that's just completely absurd and crazy, crazy. So the fact that there are these explicit conditions that need to be met um, in writing for all to see is – Important Because as the third round of sanctions uh, were listed in this document, um, basically saying that there were coaches on these conditional future employments, some of them being Freed Ben Sidi, he was formerly the head coach at OL Rain. James Clarkson, formerly head coach at Houston Dash, Vera Paul, formerly head coach at Houston Dash before Clarkson. Amanda Cromwell, formerly head coach at Orlando Pride. Sam Green, that was uh, Cromwell's assistant at Orlando Pride. And then Eileen Reese, who was the goalkeeper coach at Orlando Pride. So those people as well must acknowledge their wrongdoing, accept their personal responsibility for the inappropriate conduct, participate in the training, all in order to uh, work again in the league and with the league. Um, And I think that that's like a great little – point in all of this that they have to go through the training they have to go through a lot in order to want to come back in this league now i don't know if they will like i i would yeah, no, like
2: listen I, I think i think having um i think having like the these sanctions and and some of these w- within them some of these these conditions like there has to be a certain um, amount of training that some of these, that, that some of them have to go through if, if they want to take a next step in, into NWSL. But, you know, it, again, the, the, the acknowledgement of of wrongdoing and accepting personal responsibility mm-hmm. for inappropriate conduct, like these are all, I think, very important things to have included um, within this, because um, again, I think it, it, if that happens, I think for for some of these folks, I mean, we we've heard. I mean, we talked about some of these names on here. Like, we're you're mentioning, uh, you know, for for coaches, you know, um, in the section for conditional future employment, you, you know, Lisa, how you bring up Amanda Cromwell or Sam Green or Elaine Reese. Like, these are, uh, you know, these are former coaches and staff like that we throughout 2022 had. Um, previously spoken about on, on the show, because we saw uh, things coming out, you know, from the, that joint team investigation. And some of those mm-hmm. things were, were probably already communicated, um, right? you know, to these former Pride, uh, Orlando Pride coaches. Um, and we saw a reaction and, and, and some sort of fallout around that. I mean, Amanda Cromwell going public and saying that she's going to seek legal counsel. And it's like, here it is, yeah. like legal, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, well, is there going to be that acknowledgement of wrongdoing? Is there going to be that acceptance of personal responsibility? For and, and does it have honor? to be,
0: I think it's also like interesting, does it have to be public, right? Does Amanda Cromwell, she went out with that statement, hey, I'm going to seek personal uh, lawyers to combat this. Does she have to put out a public statement on social media or wherever saying, hey, I admit to all of this? Like probably not. It probably just has to be like behind closed doors. But I think that's something interesting as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then I, look, we have to get into the clubs' fine portion of, of this a, a little bit more. Um, listen, I don't know what, what folks were anticipating when it came to these sanctions. Um, but looking at some of these numbers attached to some of these clubs, you're like, wow, that is like a historically large fine. For this league, right? So Chicago Red Stars with the largest of those at 1.5 million, Portland Thorns with a million, Racing Louisville, 200,000, North Carolina Courage, 100,000, O.L. Rain 50,000. Gotham FC, previously Sky Blue, at $50,000. Um, in addition to those fines, North Carolina and Louisville will be required to hire a sporting staff, coaches, and general managers that will be completely different from the men's team. So automatically putting in an, uh, an additional um, sanction on them, making sure that the staff for their women's team is required to report directly to ownership Um, And and I think looking at the Chicago Red Sox and Portland Thorns, when we're looking at those really, really big numbers, it's interesting to sort of, again, look back at some of the news that you and I had to cover in 2022 and see that $1 million price tag on this sanction um, and knowing now that Maren Paulson's million dollar, quote unquote, donation Uh, for a safety task force
0: probably is is tied to this $1 million fund. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I mean that drop. Yeah, very interesting to see that drop because uh between the teams that were issued fines, there there were five of them, as Sandra just mentioned Chicago, Portland, Louisville, North Carolina, OL um, and Gotham, six of them, excuse me. Uh then North Carolina Racing, they also have caveats in this. So that is eight of the 10 teams that were in the NWSL in 2021. Um, and then moving backwards, right? But most recently, so you're some people are wondering, even people in our chat, hey, what about Washington? What about Chris Ward? Washington's Spirit and Kansas City Current were not fined because Washington Spirit ended up selling to their new owner in Michelle Kang. um, And there was no evidence against Kansas City Current that they Uh, retaliated against the players for raising concerns about the mistreatment. Uh, So that's why those two clubs are not fined. Um, But with all this money, right, like we, we have this conversation vaguely in the league about, hey, what are salary caps right now for the leagues? We don't know at this point, but like when you look at these fines $1.5 million, $1 million, uh, $200,000, $100,000, $50,000, where is this money going? What's happening with this? And per the league, um, the NWSL stated that these fines are going to be used to further the systemic reformation and to directly have positive impacts in the lives of the players. Which um, is it, maybe it's going to cover some of the investigation costs. Maybe it's going to cover some costs of growing safety in the sport or growing positions in the league that provide safety and transparency. Funding the salaries of some of those positions. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting point in the in the release that the league basically saying, Hey, what are we going to use all this money for? It's not just for us to grow and make the league better, but it's actually to give back to the players and to continue to protect them. The money's going to go in a cycle to hopefully continue to do good and protect these players moving forward.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's important to know because I think whenever we talked about, you know, what, what's, what are the next steps? What do those next steps Mm -hmm. look like for this league moving forward? Um, it has it's it has to include that, and you know Commissioner Berman has has been br- been pretty vocal um, about that in terms of ensuring that they continue to maintain great relationships with the players, the players' association, um, ensuring that there's still that player first, player led kind of initiatives that you know remain moving forward for you know for this league. It was good to see um, within this announcement um you know how they're going to continue to prioritize that you know for the players um mm-hmm. and you know players association executive director mega berg saying that you know the the true accountability is is found in the actions that have been taken thus far and just importantly in the choices people in positions of power make moving forward now is the time to realize the transformation right so yeah. um it sort of feels like this is that you know, sort of that that bookend to this very, very long kind of two years, um, you know, within the NWSL, and and we'll see. Now that these things are in place, now that you have policies in place, now that you have the procedures in place, you have to um, allow those things to to do their job. Right. A lot of those policies exist. And now those policies need time to 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 do their job. So it was uh, certainly a big news drop in terms of of the league. And we were happy uh, to cover that. But believe it or not, this wasn't the the NWSL uh, sanctions and corrective actions was not what really kicked off the news cycle this week. No, 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 no. It was a big, big free agency signing and one that we are so excited to talk about, which honestly I haven't stopped talking about since it, uh, (laughs) since it dropped on Monday, but we got to talk about Debinha because it is official. Debinha has signed with the Kansas city current, the Brazilian international and six year veteran of the league inked a two year contract with Kansas city current with an option For 2025, Lisa, this was our number one biggest prime star target of the free agency period. Please hit me with your reactions when you saw this news drop.
0: I love that Dabinia is going to Kansas City. I love what The Current is building with their club, with all of the advancements they're doing off the pitch with their training facility, their first female-dedicated stadium, female-soccer-dedicated stadium, um, the players that they're acquiring. I mean, Kansas City won the free agency, hands down. They started with Vanessa DiBernardo, Morgan Gatrall, and they end up with Debinha, just incredible strength in the midfield. Um, I am, like, so curious to see how the midfield sets up for Kansas city and how they play together. Right. Because we've seen Dabinia in the same system in the NWSL for so long, a box midfield uh, where she has the freedom to do whatever the heck she wants and move into the attack. And we saw that development last year at North Carolina between Dabinia and Caroline, uh, where they really had this free flowing movement uh, to, to move forward and to drop back. However they pleased now, playing alongside for Davina playing at Kansas city alongside some more structural midfielders in, in Lola Bonta that that has a lot of freedom herself and uh, Vanessa Di Bernardo and Morgan Gattrall and, and Scott, Desiree Scott, right? We still haven't heard from her what's happening. Um, I am so curious to see what Kansas city looks like, but Kansas city wins the free agency hands down because this was the biggest player on the free agency list um, as a six year veteran in the league, someone that is in the prime of her career, has s- found so much success formally at North Carolina and Kansas City as the runner ups in 2022 of the NWSL championship. They're making a statement and signing Dabinia was one of the biggest statements they could have made.
2: It's a splash. We got to get in the water puns, Lisa. I know. Okay. Look, Kansas, I'm with you. Kansas City Current. I think if we're talking about putting grades on it, A+++++. plus, 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 plus. I think yeah. for the first ever uh, free agency period that exists in NWSL history, you're looking at the current in terms of who they signed. And they already had made headlines nabbing not just one, but Two of the elite midfielders on that free agency list in Morgan Gatra and Vanessa Di Bernardo, and then despite all of the rumors, despite all of some of the uh reporting out there, tying Dabinia to certain areas Dude. of the globe, whether it was yeah. overseas, this is a player that had international interest right there was a a very real possibility i'm sure that a player like her um may have made her exit from the nwsl we were talking about free agency and we were talking about this player being our number one target that was one of the things for me when i was looking at somebody like debino is this a player who was looking at her career and looking at the last six years uh, of her life in the nwsl and was she going to say hey you know, I've, I've done it all here. Different. Yeah. I don't have anything left to prove in NWSL. I have absolutely dominated this league. I, I, I've got to go and, and, you know, rack them up somewhere else. I, I, I thought maybe that was going to be something that perhaps um, persuaded uh, this player to maybe make that leap over season. We heard it what arsenal barcelona (laughs) paris saint germain i think man like manchester united and people were throwing out chelsea and everyone everyone wanted her juventus you know at one point like it was it was uh it it almost felt like an endless list and then for NWSL, we really just um heard about orlando um you know that was that was the most recent that was the most recent, but I would argue, I would argue that there were far more NWSL clubs in the mix for this player. Um, yeah. and I think the the little bit of the surprise element for some people that it was Kansas City should probably signal that there absolutely were multiple teams in the yeah. NWSL in the running for the Dabinia sweepstakes. But um, it was cool to sort of see this news get get dropped, sort of see her reaction or Dabinia's reaction to making the choice for Kansas City as well.
0: I agree. I think her reaction to it um, was very special to see and and kind of the reasoning why she chose to go to Kansas City. And it was because she liked – what they were doing there. She liked what they were building. She liked everything that they had going on, what they were doing off the pitch with their training facilities and their new stadium and their commitment to the sport, commitment to the professionalism of the sport. Those are things that that's how you get one of the top talents in the world. Um, when a club and every single club wants her throughout Europe, throughout the states, that's how you get her. I mean, when you look at Divinia's accolades, right? You said it best, Sandra, she had checked off everything on the list in the NWSL to do. So the only way an NWSL team was going to keep her here is if they offered her something that no other club could offer her. And when you look at her list of accolades, exactly, Sandra's given the money signs out there, but when you look at her list of accolades, Two-time NWSL champion, uh, Challenge Cup champion, two-time Challenge Cup MVP, uh, NWSL MVP, three-time Shield winner, women's ICC champion. I mean, this player has everything under the sun. So what else could you possibly offer her? I think it comes down to ownership and leadership of a team and kind of who you're going to work with. That's one of the biggest benefits of free agency. You get to pick who your coach is going to be, who your specialist is going to be, and where you're going to live. I don't think location comes that much into it at this point. And then it comes down to money. And Kansas City is a team that is not messing around with their message of why they want to be the best and why getting to the NWSL championship in their second year was not good enough and they want to win. And that's the statement that Kansas City made. Well, you know what? I I would also
2: make, uh, I would add an additional argument to that, that there are very impressive 2022 run to the NWL championship actually became part of their pitch for probably totally. some of these three agents that they landed. You know, I think if you look, if you want to get more of my takes, I wrote I wrote them all out uh, on the trade on CBS So you can go see what I had to say about Davinia's arrival to Kansas City there. But that was one of the things that I brought up in that piece as well. I think the fact that they went on that very, very long run all the way through to the championship final. I mean, they had a 13 game undefeated streak at one point during yeah. the the season. These are all things that help you as a franchise make those type of pitches to those very desirable candidates. Whether you're trying to nab them about a free agency, whether you're trying to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, potential trades, that is important. I think more than anything, when you're looking at these players who have been in this league for a certain amount of years, they don't want to go to any old team. They want to go to a contender. And that is very important for Kansas City, that they had that very successful run and that they have uh, done a good job of sort of retaining a lot of the pieces from that uh, championship finals appearance. I mean, you know, they they have the goalkeeping position uh, locked up. You know, this wasn't just a, a really strong free agency period for this franchise but you know their GM Kevin Levinson made a lot of great moves in terms of being huh. able to make um you know multiple resignings we saw the resigning of Kate Fava uh, uh you know we saw Alex Loera get another um Contract extension. They announced Haley Mace is going to remain in Kansas City as well. So these are all integral pieces uh, for this franchise moving forward. And and you loop those type of re-signings in with these type of free agency acquisitions. I don't know how you don't look at Kansas City right now and say they're not contenders
0: they are completely contenders. Yep. Um, they have to be. I, I want to give a shout out to people joining us live on YouTube right now in our chat, because some of these comments are amazing. You guys are making me crack up. Lucy saying, hey, congratulations to Kansas City Kern on their 2023 NWSL <laughs> championship. And what Kansas City's already looking good. Uh, giving a shout out to Dabinia. um, yeah. Eat Sleep Repeat. I mean, Casey is a powerhouse. Dabinia, Mewis, Williams. I mean, even without Mewis and Williams, right? We don't know the status of Sam Mewis right now, but Williams is working her way back. She's in the U.S. January camp. It's still, it's Dabinia, Bernardo, Cattrall, Scott, Keito, yeah. Fava. This is crazy. I mean, VU saying Casey isn't playing. They're going to be balling this season um, completely. I think Kansas City just gained a lot of new fans, right? I mean, as you mentioned, the, the 2022 year for Kansas City gained them a lot of traction. People were like, oh, this is an underdog team. This is a team that's having fun. They've got crazy celebration. What else? And in order to continue to to grasp the attention and to grow their fan base as well, this is a power move for them to get to Beena. I'm I'm thrilled to watch next year. I even saw some people on Twitter talking about how they've got to get out to Kansas City this year. They've got to see a game and they've got to see this team play in person. Hey, that's how you oh, grow the league. Out, so I'm all for Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> at me. I think that was one of those people. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm here in Chicago. That's just a little. It's eight not that far, Sandra. You can get down there. Yeah, I'm calling you out. Let's get to a Kansas City game this year. I'll be there. I'll come with you. It'll be great. We'll make our way there. I love that
2: the midwestern I me mean, it was like yeah it's just a little like eight to nine hour drive it's cool like anybody could <laughs> you could just get there just in a day it's fine yeah um no I, i'm with you i think for for me i think i don't want to speak for you i think maybe for us though for um the free agency period that we've been tracking it for as long as we have i think this was a player that everybody had their eyes on and it's so cool to sort of finally see the landing spot and sort of see how um talk about everything that sort of led up to this point. And now we get to talk about, um, you know, what that means for this club and and how this type of player can sort of fit in. And, and what does that mean for, um, you know, the, the roster as a whole moving forward? I mean, it's, there's a, a bit of a, a reunion here with former North Carolina courage players, whether it's the and Lynn Williams, uh, Kristen, Kristen Hamilton. Hamilton, we have to include Sam Mewis in that, although there's a lot of question marks uh, around there. What does that mean for this midfielder? and What, what, what place does Sam Mewis have in it? If at all, right. This is a player that, um, Uh, Only Sam Mewis knows, you know, what's uh, where she's at in her her recovery process, and uh, I think everyone has to continue to to respect the player in in that time. Um, So we'll we'll see. I think preseason there will be more that comes out in terms of the picture and what this looks like for the team uh, positionally moving forward. Uh, But believe it or not, there was still more news that dropped on Monday. Uh, Congratulations to the Portland Thorns naming their head coach Mike Norris officially Head coach of Portland Thorns was an assistant on the squad in 2022. The Newcastle, England native is now going to be running things in an official capacity for the Thorns.
0: Yeah, huge announcements coming out of Portland uh, because they've been without a head coach now and heading into a draft week. The fact that this dropped on Monday of a draft week means that Mike Norris will be involved in what's happening on Thursday at the NWSL draft. Uh, I mean, he's has... A lot of previous accolades, he was with Canada's uh, women's national team in Tokyo when they won gold at the 2021 Olympics. Um, he's played. He's helped coach youth teams in Canada. He's from England. Um, I know Karina LeBlanc, the GM of Portland Thorns, made a little joke about that during the press conference. Like, hey, just wait till you hear him talk. You can't understand a word he says. He's got a pretty heavy accent. Uh, but I think one of the coolest things after – this announcement came from the Thorns on their social media was the response from Portland Thorns players, Sophia Smith, um, uh, just a number of players speaking out on Twitter saying how happy they were for Mike Norris to be getting this head coaching role at Portland and how excited they were to continue working with him. He was one of the coaches, the assistant coaches for Rian Wilkinson last year that really did a lot of like the scouting report. And a lot of times like, um, uh, from my experience with scouting reports and with coaches that do them, they have this more of like personal side because they need to know individual players on their own team and what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, who they're going to match up with. And that way they can scout their opposition correctly. And then they go directly to those players and say like, Hey, Sophia Smith, you're going up against this back line. This is where they struggled. This is really their only weakness. They're good in the air. They're fast on the ground. They're pretty physical. But if, if you check back in front of them, that's how you're going to find the advantage. So scouting reports and scouting coaches work really closely with the players. So it's good to see that Mike Norris has a really good relationship already built up with the current players at Portland. And I'm hoping that that just continues to move on and to rotate through because, um, it's a big year for Portland. Uh, they're looking to to repeat again and get back to the championship. Um, across the league though, there was a little bit of other news, front office news specifically with the Chicago red stars pro- promoting, um, michelle Lomnicki to their general manager position uh she's been with the club for what feels like forever sandra
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's cool i thought you know when the news dropped um you know my immediate take on it was i'm really happy that the associate title has been removed yeah. um for for this role and for Lomnikki specifically um she was named as an associate general manager um, under Arnum Whistler's time um, in a year in which they were already trying to perhaps, you know, change some things in, at the executive level and the front office level. Um, but it was it was a, it was an extra tag to a title where it was like, OK, so this is associate general managers. So this means, you know, who else is actually making these decisions. So to see that come off, I thought was very refreshing um and well deserved honestly um because this is someone who's been with the red stars organization um since it's very 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 early days in the nwsl specifically um and prior to moving into this role had already had a different role but as director of camps and clinics right so on the youth side of things uh for the red stars so along with playing as a defender for this club uh in 2009 and in the nwsl from um 2013 to 2015, now in an executive role. And, and one of the things that isn't lost on me is is, you know, the fact that when it comes to, to certain roles in, in this league, that this position I would imagine is probably the hardest job
1: yeah. in the
2: NWSL right now. Um, I think when you're looking at the current state of the Chicago Red Stars, the title of general manager, I think, is probably very a very challenging one. Um, so the fact that you not only have Someone who has familiarity uh, with the club is a former player herself um, and has already done a lot of work, has already laid a lot of groundwork and laid a lot of blueprint down. Um, Not only is she, you know, making the choice to stay, she's done a lot of work um, and. Wants to stay. I think that's also very important yeah, to take a look that's at special. in this role. So you know, this is a this is a club that has lost a, a lot of regular names, a lot of usual suspects, and uh, any time I think that they can convince someone who's already done a lot of work to stay and continue to do more work with this club, I think is a is a win for them. So it was cool to sort of see that. Um, announced and then they also announced the signing so she's she's yeah. very hard at work uh, Addie McCain uh, signed through the waiver wire for the Chicago Red Stars so they have added a midfielder to the mix yes. <laughs> Chicago Red Stars ahead of the draft. They
0: need some. They need some. So hey, that's a that's a great move. I know. I like how Chicago Red Stars social media like promoted that. It was like, hey, we've got a new GM. And then it was like, and she's already hard at work, like signing Addy McCain, um, through the waiver wire. She McCain was with Kansas City for a bit, saw some time. Uh, but hey, a good pickup by Chicago. Why not? He needs some midfield. You might as well strengthen it where you can with someone like McCain that has experience in the league and and playing. Um you know, in the Midwest, especially.
2: Yeah, still a young player. And I think yeah. that's probably going to be their the way they operate for, for a, a, little, a little while, making sure you're getting young players who are probably looking for more playing time and, and want mm-hmm. to continue to, to sort of grow with an um, organization. So we'll see what the draft looks like for them. But we have to close out this first half of the segment with some awards. Congratulations are in order for Jaden Shaw, who won the U.S. Soccer Young Player of the Year Award. And Sophia Smith was named U.S. Soccer Player of the Year. remember when this dropped, Lisa, you and I were texting each other. We were so excited about it. Sophia Smith, uh, the first black woman to be uh, given this award in the U.S. Soccer United States Women's National Team 38-year history. Big, big deal.
0: This is a huge deal, huge deal. I mean, when we saw the nominees for Female Player of the Year and, and Sophia Smith was on there, it was kind of like, OK, like she's going to she's going to win, right? Like she has to win this award. And I'm I am so glad she did because um, it, it's a huge accomplishment for a player like Smith and it's so well deserved. Twenty two years old, um, the youngest player to lead the United States in scoring since 1993, youngest ever NWSL MVP. Um it, just had a tremendous, tremendous year. And I I think the evolution of this player also comes into play for being the player of the year, right? Like she came out of college and into the league and, and started to make splashes and she was making a name for herself. But in 2022, she really implemented herself in... United States soccer, right Uh, across the NWSL, of course, but this is a U.S. soccer female player of the year award. So it's not just what you do with your club, but it's mostly what you do with your country. But you got to do what you do with your club to be able to do what you do for your country. So the fact that she did it so consistently uh, for Portland Thorns and then for the United States, um, this is a player that was so fun to watch, so fun to watch. And at 22 years old, Sandra, we're only going to see more from this player. And that's like – that's so exciting because – Uh, The future is so bright for someone like Sophia Smith. And you also mentioned Jaden Shaw, 18 years old. Um, This is a player that NWSL fans know very well. She went through the discovery process. She trained with Washington Spirit and ended up being selected by San Diego Wave and Casey Stoney. Then uh, she ended up making history, right, at just uh, 17 years old. She checked into her very first game with San Diego. And within 30 minutes of checking into the game, she scored her first goal and she became the youngest player at age 17 to score in her first NWSL match Um, but with international soccer and U.S. soccer um, had just a tremendous run with the U-20 team and and the Women's World Cup. This is a player that is really fun to watch. I'm so thrilled that we get to watch Jaden Shaw in the NWSL, um, I, I'm waiting waiting for her call up right to the senior team to see when she gets in that mix. But there's a lot of talented players out there, uh, so a huge accomplishment for Jaden Shaw.
2: Yeah, I remember when we spoke about it and we were going through the nominees. There were like two very clear winners yeah. for, for these two awards and and we both talked about Sean we don't, both talked about Smith that coming off of the year that they were coming off of that they had to be uh the locks for for these awards so I'm, I'm glad that it turned out that way because I don't I don't want to know what it would have been like if it would would have gone differently so uh congratulations are in order to them very excited to see what is next for these two players in U.S. soccer and we're going to be right back after a quick break believe it or not we have a mock draft still to do for everyone so stay with us All right, let's talk NWSL 2023 draft. The draft's kicking off Thursday, January 12th. It's right around the corner. It's going to be taking place in Philly, right at the Philadelphia Convention Center as part of the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Listen, we've already had a bit of madness. Shake things up for the official draft order ahead of the nwsl draft makes me a little nervous it makes me wonder like if we're gonna have any other surprises or quick changes uh I think for the we draft will. we we always do right i, I think, think we will, will. Listen, listen having covered a few of these already in person and in virtual capacities there's always something that happens that uh that shakes things up but Uh, We did an episode about the massive four-team trade, talked about how the draft picks were in part of that trade. So now the draft order looks a little bit different. Shout out to Angel City. They are now the official holders of the number one pick overall in the 2023 draft that was acquired from Gotham FC via that four-team deal. New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC are now – making their selection at number two. That pick came from Orlando as part of that multi-team trade. Orlando Pride still sitting at number three. Racing Louisville at number four. Portland Thorns acquired the number five slot from angel city in a trade and number six belongs to north carolina courage number seven chicago red stars houston dash will select at number eight north carolina courage at number nine and kansas city current at number 10 north carolina courage once more at 11 and portland thorns will be closing out this first round at number 12 so lisa Does this change things for you in terms of like what we were talking about in our previous draft board episode? We talked about one of the things we talked about specifically was Orlando having two picks in this first round. Yeah. And then we got this multi-team trade deal. We talked about like, hey, Anything could happen, but do we want to see Orlando keep those pigs? And you said, hey, like I'd like to see them do. keep both of them and maybe make back-to-back picks here. But uh, now things have shaken up a little bit. Uh, what do you think of this order here?
0: So I did initially say I wanted Orlando to keep their – double picks at two and three uh, just because of uh, what Orlando needs, right? Where they need to really shore up their roster. However, after the four-team trade went down between Portland, Angel City, Gotham, and Orlando, Orlando benefited so much from that trade by gaining so much money. And because of that, they end up losing or, or trading away their number two pick to Gotham, which still leaves them the number three pick. So I'm okay with it. I am okay with it. I know I wanted them to have both, but I think Orlando getting the money is is probably a really good even trade-off for um, still keeping that top three spot, right? They're still number three in the draft. And when you look at the draft class that is being laid out for us in 2023, there's a lot of top talent. And despite who number who goes number one and number two in the draft, uh, Orlando Pride can pick up pretty much anyone across any line, and they will be useful for this team. So I think it's okay that Orlando stuck with number three. Um, I think that the power move from Angel City to get that number one spot, like clearly, that's what they wanted. With all the trades that happened between Yasmin Ryan coming to Angel City and then going to Gotham and then making all these trades, Angel City wanted the number one pick. And they did it. They made it happen with three different teams. Um, Fantastic for them. And I think that having Angel City be number one, it puts them in a really great position to control their destiny for this draft and control maybe the future of their destiny because this is a team that uh, of course every team wants to do well every team wants to get back to the playoffs but i think the expectation around a club like angel city was to get to the playoffs in the first year was to be this powerhouse and they didn't they fell flat of that so maybe the pressure's on a little bit it was like okay we've got to get number one And they did it. So with Angel City, Gotham, Orlando racing in Portland as the first five, um, I think that's pretty interesting, especially with Portland being number five. That's like a massive trade up for Portland because as a team that wins the NWSL championship, uh, you usually don't see them that high. So I think that's a pick and a team that I'm interested to see who they get.
2: I'm with you 100. Let's let's maybe run let let let's yeah. keep running through this this draft order in this first round because when we're talking about. We want to do a mock draft here on Attacking Third. We're going to do these first 12 picks. And I'm so excited to do this alongside you, Lisa, because one of my favorite things that we do here at A3 is make our predictions or make our picks. And I love doing that because I love coming back on these episodes and talking about how incorrect we were. So let's see where we think the draft is going to take us at number one is Angel City. And listen, there's already been a lot of news around this pick. There was a multi-team trade that took place to make sure Angel City was landed in this number one spot. And alongside of that trade reporting, there was the news that Alyssa Thompson was a target for this franchise. And this was before the official January 9th deadline was completed and before Alyssa Thompson had even uh declared for uh draft registration. But now, as we're about two days away from this draft, Alyssa Thompson is officially registered for the NWSL draft, and all signs point to selecting her at number one here.
0: Completely. I mean, when all the rumors swirled from um The L.A. Times saying that Angel City wanted number one just so they could get Alyssa Thompson. It was almost like a caveat. There was an asterisk because Alyssa Thompson had yet to register at that point. Of course, by that evening, this was last Friday, I believe all this happened, um, or last Thursday, excuse me. By that evening, Alyssa Thompson had registered for the draft. Her name was submitted, so she's she's going to go number one overall to Angel City. Uh, she's a forward, 18 years old. Um, she committed to Stanford at 15 years old, but has since rescinded that. Now entering the draft and making her debut in the NWSL as an 18-year-old. She also has a couple caps under the senior national team. Um, this is a name that you're going to get to know very quickly if you don't already. Uh, but for sure, Alyssa Thompson going number one to Angel City. And I think it's a good pickup for them, right? Like to add a little bit of depth into their front line. We saw a lot of injuries last year that Angel City suffered, whether it was Kristen Press and her ACL or Sydney LaRue after being traded from Orlando. Uh, this is a a team that that needs depth in that position and for a player that could potentially be out a lot due to international windows um I think getting her in and experienced especially in LA is going to be huge for Thompson
2: yeah I'm with you I think I was I was going to ask you that I was going to say like positionally you know mm-hmm. for for this Angel City team does is this a selection that makes sense for you and it sounds
0: like you agree with it that you're 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 all right. I, I do. I think it does make a little bit more sense just because we saw Freya Coom not rotate a lot last year, right? Uh, especially in her midfield. So to get a midfielder for Angel City, I think would be beneficial for them, but I don't think they would get a lot of playing time. And I think a condition perhaps for Alyssa Thompson to, to join the league was like, Hey, I want to play, right? Like <laughs> you want to play, you want to play. Yeah. So uh, you don't want to be one of those. You don't want to be a number one draft pick that sits on the bench and gets 15 minutes at the end of the game. Yeah. I,
2: I, listen, I, I don't think you, I don't think you're Angel City and you make the move to land this pick. Cause let's, let's go back to this trade a little bit and walk through some of the steps they traded. Angel City traded with Portland. First there was uh, Yasmin Ryan was the player involved and money was involved. And then there was a trade with Angel City and even more allocation money was involved along with Yasmin Ryan. So you're telling me that you're spending nearly, nearly half a million dollars for a number one pick in Alyssa Thompson. We're talking 450,000 ish dollars here, right? To make this selection and to not, Play this player. Listen. I know. I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see Alyssa Thompson. I hope we do, (laughs) and I hope that we do. And listen, I I think it. I I think if you have this player um, available, declared for the draft at number one, you absolutely take. Thompson and yes, is she going to need time to adapt to the professional level? Uh, especially a league like NWSL, where it's very fast, right? Very transitional, very fast pace, can be very physical at times. I think more than ever, you want to get this young player acclimated as as quickly as you can. I don't so think she's gonna I'm need that
0: much it. I don't think she's gonna need that much adjustment. She's been playing with boys' teams two years older than her. She's already had caps internationally against England, against Spain. I, I think her transition is is gonna be pretty smooth. I think the biggest tra- transition for her is going to be playing under a Freya Coombe system and and yeah. playing along certain players where she's maybe not the superstar anymore. Um and and has to fit a role a little bit more versus having the freedom to do whatever she wants. I'm with
2: you. Number two, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC, number two overall selection would anticipate that they are going to go with what is they perceive as the best available player at this position. But we believe that they're going to go with Michelle Cooper, the forward out of Duke University at number two, 21 years old, finished her sophomore season at Duke, was the Matt Herman Trophy winner, And made some folks nervous. We didn't see Michelle Cooper on this registration list uh, immediately, but she's there now and we would anticipate that Gotham makes that selection at number two.
0: Yeah. I think that Gotham, it it would really behoove them to go with a player like this. Uh, Gotham needs to score goals, right? I mean, they had a lot of problems in 2022, um, but I think that, it's a really easy answer to say, hey, you got to score goals. And I think that Gotham could sure up across any line of their roster. So they're going to go with the highest pick and that's going to be Michelle Cooper at this point. I mean, she ended uh, her season in November with Duke and then decided she was no longer returning, which just made a lot of eyeballs bright and, and widen to see where this player was going to go. Um, they, Duke ended up losing in the quarterfinal to Alabama in which Michelle Cooper had a brace in that loss to Bama, Uh, the U-20 U.S. captain. She was the golden boot winner and the golden ball winner in the CONCACAF qualifying tournament. She scored eight goals, so she can do it at the international level. Now seeing how she fits into Gotham and their system, but she's going to go high, and I think she's going to go number two over Gotham. I'm with you. Let's go to number three.
2: Orlando Pride have their original selection at number three. And we at A3 believe that they're gonna go with Izzy D. out of Santa Clara, the forward, who racked up 50 goals and 14 assists in over the course of her collegiate career. But listen, when you have those top three picks in in the draft, I think a lot of the energy on these mock boards is, hey, you want to take that best available mm-hmm. talent across the board. And I think you and I maybe want to make a case for a midfielder for Orlando Pride, that maybe that is the position that they should be targeting. But even though that's the position that they might have to target, that that's perhaps the team need. We just feel like if Izzy did is on this board, that they're going to go with her at number three.
0: I do. I mean, even when you look at someone like Izzy Diakia, this is a player that is traditionally played forward with Santa Clara. In the draft, I think she also registered as a midfield midfielder. So she has a lot of freedom. She has a lot of versatility, which is why we kept her at number three for Orlando Pride, even though we both think that Orlando could could use more of a midfield player. Um, I, I also think that someone like a uh, Clara Roberts midfielder out of Florida State would re- be a really good pick for Orlando. but I just don't foresee uh, someone like Clara Robbins going this high. And when you have someone like Diakia on the board, you're going to pick her at this point. And with Orlando Pride losing their number two spot, this is their pick in the first round draft. You have to go high at this point. It's not like they've got another pick at 9-10 in this first round. They don't. So with Orlando Pride, I think they have to stick with uh, the forward out of Santa Clara. Uh, she can drop deeper into the midfield. I mean, she's going to add to your game with everything that she can do. She's been a national champion. She's been in the College Cup two times with Santa Clara during her career. Um, All American first team, WCC Offensive Player of the Year in her senior year. A lot of accolades for this player, and she's going to add to Orlando's team.
2: Yeah. I'm with you 100%. I think when you're looking at players, uh, best players available, this is one of those players, and I would anticipate the IKEA stays at, at number three if she's still on the board here. I, I, I think it's important that you noted that she did also sort of have the, the forward and midfielder registration attached to her yeah. uh, going into this draft but and making the case for somebody like a Clara Robbins, I think who's more just like that pure midfielder, which is why we think at number four for racing, louisville fc we think that clara robbins might go to louisville or stay with louisville question mark the <laughs> midfielder out of florida state university for folks who are unaware clara robbins has spent some time in the uslw league with racing uh, louisville side uh, made some uh a pretty impressive appearances uh 10 matches, racked up uh, four goals and assists uh Really, really good showing. I think <laughs> during a brief Absolutely. time uh, with this side, uh, whether it was uh, you know going up against uh, the Indy Eleven or Kings FC, uh, all those other great clubs in, in in USLW league. So someone who has coming out of a fantastic program in Florida State University, but also had this has this added layer to her with a handful of games with the USLW league. So I think when we're lo- also looking at yes at this point in the first in the first round who are those best players available to make at these very early selections but perhaps if you're a certain team with very, very heavy needs like Louisville, they need players who could probably come in and slot in immediately. You're also looking for players who are quote unquote NWSL ready, right? Maybe players who aren't going to need that much time to get acclimated. And I think if you're looking at a certain position on the pitch, if you're looking at that middle third, I think Clara Robbins is the most midfield ready uh, player to go uh, in this first round.
0: I agree she is totally midfield ready. I think that's a, a really good way to put it. And when you look at at Racing Louisville and kind of the roster that they've built up, they have a a, a midfield that is very young. You look at uh, Jalen Shaw, uh, Jalen Howe, excuse me, Savannah DeMello, um, uh, Lauren Malay, who sometimes slots into that midfield. This is a, uh, Lauren Malay being one of the most veteran ones with just a few years in the league under her belt. So adding in someone else like Clara Roberts could seem a bit dangerous for Kim Bjorkegren and Racing Louisville, but I think that bringing someone, um, from Virginia into this team, Florida State University. She has experience playing at Louisville. I think that's what gives her a really big upper hand. Uh, she's won a national championship in 2018 when she was young on this FSU team. Um, and, and when she finished in 2020 U, Uh, 2022 at fsu she finished with 110 games played that was the most in florida state history and the second most in women's college soccer history so she's played a crap ton of games and i think that that experience will really lend to what she can bring to racing Lowell. i'll be interested to see though how she fits into to to what they're doing in the midfield and i could see her even she's a midfielder but she has also played defense later in her career and other stages so to see her dropped into the back line, perhaps, for Kim Bjorkigren, I think that could be a benefit too.
2: Uh, we'll see if Bjork-Gren, uh has that vision uh, in this selection. I think this is an area of the draft of where maybe we could get the potential for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm another shakeup maybe this middle portion of the tables where we start to see some trades again i feel like portland thorns already made the, the the move to try to get in higher into this draft and maybe they humor uh racing louisville to, to negotiate another trade because we are looking at a player in this middle selection at number five in emily madrill the defender out of Florida State US, uh, Florida State University, but has played overseas uh, in Sweden. Again, when we're talking about players who are potentially NWS already, we're talking about Claire Robinson. Of course, we're also including Emily Madrill within that same conversation as well. Do we see a swap? Does Racing Louisville say, hey? We've got some midfielders who are locked up here, but we really have our eye on Clara Robbins, and we're thinking that we're going to take her at number four. Maybe we get into a trade here with uh, with Portland Thorns, who yep. perhaps also need to make a selection for a defender. So there are. It's interesting that in number four and in number five. There's a similar team need here for going with a defender. And what's it going to look like within these two positions? But if things shake out, there's the potential for somebody like Emily Madrill to go number five to Portland Thorns who look, they've got Becky Sauerbrunn. They've got Emily Menges. I think it's pretty evident that we got next. I mean, she is the player that you want to make sure you continue to build within that back line at the center back position. Who else are you bringing in to ensure that you have depth at this role? I think uh, you're looking at somebody like Emily Madreau.
0: I agree completely. I I think it's interesting you talk about the shakeup. I mean, this was... Um, Emily Madrill is a player that I think before we had the draft list and before we knew what was really happening with Michelle Cooper saying that she's going to join Alyssa Thompson, saying that she's going to enter the draft, Emily Madrill is a player that I think would have gone higher perhaps than five if it wasn't for some of these superstar forwards coming in, in in Thompson and Cooper and Izzy Diakia. Um, But Emily Madrill, a, a tremendous player, a tremendous, tremendous defender, uh, formerly with Florida state and who has the professional experience because she's, uh, been playing overseas in Sweden, and I think that that gives a huge upper hand to a team like Portland Thorns. Um, I, I'm honestly like a little shocked that we have Madrill so low, right at five. I'm putting quotes around that, but it's more yeah. on teams' need at this point. And although she is is one of the top defenders in this entire draft, and, and we saw a defender go number one last year, uh, the year before in Emily Fox, last year in Naomi Germa. Um, I don't think it's unusual to see a defender go this high but based on team's needs the forwards are going to go first and that leaves Emily Madrill to this five spot and I think her going to Portland Thorns would be incredible for her career imagine the development of a player like Emily Madrill learning underneath someone like a Becky Sauerbron a Kelly Hubley who's gone through the fight of it um playing in front of a Bell Bigsby right playing with and against someone in training like Sophia Smith I think the development for Madrill is going to be most beneficial at Portland
2: Look, I think uh, going with Madrill, I think anywhere between one to five will probably uh, be a potential landing spot for for this player. This is a player that I think has been on multiple teams' radars for probably over the last two years, honestly. Um, But we'll see where she ends up landing. I mean, shout out to... to San Diego wave, right? They, they win the defender route. They chose defender yeah. number one overall. And Naomi Girma. So we'll see if, uh, if that's a, a similar energy in this year's draft, number six, North Carolina courage. We're going the forward route for them. No Debinha. They got to make sure that they continue to have a dynamic attack. We think that they might choose the forward at this, uh, at this slot. We're going with uh, Alexa Spantra out of Virginia. For North Carolina Courage. They've got another pick in this draft. So we'll talk about perhaps both of these moves later uh, at number 10. Let's uh, also talk about number seven's selection with Chicago. Red Stars, Lisa. When we were talking about certain team needs out of this draft, Chicago was one of a uh, of about four clubs that we were talking about that just need bodies uh, mm-hmm. on their roster. We're looking at Chicago. We're looking at the Spirit, right? We're we're looking at Racing Louisville. Look, who are these? Uh, you know, franchises looking at in this draft to try to flesh out some of their rosters. And while Chicago has a deep, deep need for midfielders at this moment, they might have their had a little bit ahead of this draft by announcing a signing of a midfielder and Addie McCain. So who do yeah. you think they might take at number seven, We think here at A3 that they actually might go with a forward, and we think they might go with Penelope Hawking out of Penn State. And perhaps maybe we can make a case here at this selection in number seven for other positions for the Red Stars as well. Will they stay with, with the forward? Do they want a versatile forward? Is somebody like Riley Mattingly Parker out of Alabama available at this point? Is there another Alabama player and somebody like Raina Ray yeah. is available at this point, a defender in this
0: selection? Do you think Chicago can go wrong choosing any of these players at this point? No, I- honestly, I can. And that's why I'm doing these mock drafts is, is tricky when we get to six, seven, eight, nine, because these teams, it. it First of all, it depends who's left, right? At this point, if Izzy Diakia is still available, I think Chicago is going to pick her up, right? If Emily Madrill is still available, I think that we could see North Carolina, Chicago, Houston, pick up a player like that. So it, it becomes tricky and more down to the specific tendencies of a player and the specific needs of a team. And, and someone like Hawking, um, out of Penn State, she a fifth year at Penn State. Um, she played at West Virginia previously, or excuse me, she played at Virginia previously or USC and 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 this is a player that can score goals and I think when you couple that alongside someone like Mallory Pugh it could be really beneficial for a team like Chicago to get that especially heading into a World Cup year where you need players to step up and to score goals and we talked about how Chicago is an incredibly young team they were last year and, and now that those so many young players last year will be in their second year I think that they will have so much to teach someone like a Hawking coming into this team. So I, I agree with Hawking, Penelope Hawking going here. And I also agree with Alexa Spanstra out of Virginia going to North Carolina at number six. I think that uh, Spanstra is a player, um, a forward that can, can help this team out in – and in North Carolina because losing Dibina, uh, they've got to score some goals and and someone like Spanstra can create, she can score goals. Uh, so I think Spantra at six and then Penelope Hawking at seven for Chicago.
2: Let's take a look at number eight for Houston dash and who they could possibly select here at this uh, position. We're actually going to go with Messiah bright, the forward out of TCU. Listen, where fans of this player thought she had a great career with TCU. And when we're looking at Houston, This is another team that has made some announcements of not maybe so much big free agency signings, but they did kick off their offseason, bringing back Sophie Schmidt, bringing back Alyssa Chapman, and they recently made announcements that they they, they have a new contract with uh, Prysock, and they also announced that they uh, re-sign Uh, midfielder Emily Ogle. So there's there's some things that they have done here leading up to the draft that I'm curious about how they're going to navigate at this position. I'm also very curious how they're going to navigate the loss of somebody like a Nichelle Prince, someone who's currently uh, navigating an injury. That is a huge piece of their attack. And I think a good way they could try to help navigate that is by drafting Messiah Bright.
0: Completely agree. Masai Bright is one of the best number nines, one of the best strikers um, coming out of this draft. Out of TCU, 49 career goals throughout her college career. She became TCU's all-time leader, leader in career points in 2021, took the team to five-street NCAA tournaments, Uh, she elevated TCU. And I think when you look at a team like Houston Dash, um, this is a team that made their first NWSL playoffs in 2022. They are looking to repeat. They are looking to grow. And and to find a striker that is going to be a through-and-through striker, it allows for someone like Shea Groom to have a little bit more freedom on the pitch to push up higher out of the midfield because you know you're going to have Messiah Bright stretching really high. I mean, playing alongside someone like Maria Sanchez, Ebony Salmon, like imagine that partnership uh, adding into the mix someone like Bright. I, I think that at number eight, um, this is a really good pick for Bright. And it's also one of the best picks at this point, right? You go highest for a team like Houston Dash and, and kind of what's left on the board. And Messiah Bright is, is no scrap to be left on the board. And Houston's going to gobble her up as soon as they can.
2: Let's uh, chat a little bit more about North Carolina courage at number nine. Who could they take at number nine? They acquired this selection from San Diego a via a trade last year. And if this player is available still, we believe that they are going to make the selection for Tori
0: Hanson, the defender out of UNC. I agree. I think um, uh, this player for UNC is has that homegrown feel that can provide for North Carolina. Uh, Sean Nehas, he has been a profound coach throughout the North Carolina system and the entire state and understanding Anson Dorrance and what he's been able to do at UNC, a player like Tori Hansen as a defender. um, She's also local. She's from Raleigh. I think this would be a really good grab for North Carolina, maybe a little bit higher than other people thought for this defender. uh, But I think you have to stick with with what you know, and North Carolina can definitely shore up their back line, right? They've already gotten a pick a little bit earlier. We went with um, Alexis Spanstra, the forward, so now they go with the defender. Really tighten in both ends uh, of their their lineup.
2: Number 10, Kansas City Current on the board. Look, we opened up this entire episode talking a whole ton about Kansas City Current and the fact that they landed Debinha in the free agency sweepstakes. So what are their teammates? Who could they even target here? Uh, they've got a ton of midfielders uh, in in the mix heading into 2022. They've got a pretty good attacking line, especially now that they've added somebody like Debinha. So who could be the best player? available here at this selection if they're looking to perhaps add some depth to their roster. I'm curious if, if Kansas City Current even stays in this number 10 selection yeah. with all of the recent moves that they made. But in the event that they stay here, we're going to go with Reyna Reyes, the defender slash midfielder out of Alabama, uh, going at number 10 to Kansas City Current in uh, in the hopes that they're looking to, to perhaps add some depth for, for their back line.
0: Andrew, I think it's so important that you said if Kansas City stays at number 10, because we're doing this uh, mock draft on Tuesday, so two days before the draft actually happens on Thursday, and I could foresee Kansas City um, making a trade for a later pick, giving this to another team, perhaps that wants to be a little bit higher. I'm looking at someone like Washington Spirit that could could make a move to get into the first round that would behoove a team like Washington Spirit. But if Kansas City stays in this position, uh, they're going to go after Rena Reyes um, out of Alabama. This is an incredible, incredible player. Mac Herman Trophy semifinalist. She was the SEC defender of the year, but she can also score goals. And I think when you look at Kansas City roster and what they're made up of, it's a lot of talented players that have specific. P- positions that they prefer or maybe that they've been played in most traditionally, but they also float around a lot. I'm specifically looking at someone like an Alex Luera, who was a rookie for Kansas City last year. She played defender all throughout college and she got to Kansas City. She talked with Matt Potter and she was like, hey, listen, I want to score goals. I want to get higher. Put me up the field, see what happens. And by the end of it, she's starting in the midfield for the NWSL championship. Rena Reyes is a very similar player to Alex Luera and that defensively she's lockdown defender of the year um, she can keep shutouts like the best of them but also if you push her higher on set pieces stretch her into the attacking end of the field she's gonna find a way to get on the end of it it's that ruthless type of player that's got just a, a nose and a high IQ of understanding of the game of soccer and it's someone that would fit really well into Matt Potter's system
2: yeah 100% agreement. We've got two more selections to make. Let's go with number 11, North Carolina Courage. This acquired from a trade, Kansas City. That took place last year. So North Carolina sitting at number 11. Look, they've got similar to 2022 when they had multiple picks in this first round, North Carolina has found themselves in a similar position in 2023's draft. So curious about who they're going to make uh, at this selection this late in the first round. Who are those players at this point are the are the best players that you consider available on the board? Those players that you th- think might go in the first round but have the potential to drop in the second round. And we are going to go with another forward for North Carolina in Riley Mattingly-Parker out of Alabama in this slot as well. I think we have to take a look at this point in terms of the picks that we've given to North Carolina thus far in this first round. So we went forward at number six with Alexis Spantrow. We went defender with Hanson at number nine. And now at 11, we're going with another forward in Riley Mattingly Parker out of Alabama. Some versatility, I think, too, with this player. I think she could play mm-hmm. across the line if they really want to take the gamble uh, and try to, you know, push some development there. I think coming off of the season that North Carolina had when you had this uh, this sort of breakout season by Diana Ordoñez when you sort of had this big uh, international player kind of come in and sort of announce her arrival in Carolina. Who's going to slot in along these players and who can sort of continue to sort of keep that kind of high-octane sort of attack going? We know that Dabinia was a big, big part of that for this team, and it's going to be tough to try to replace a player of that caliber and alongside that you've got two players who are not going to go into a sophomore season with North Carolina courage. So how's that going to look like, uh, or what is that going to to look like moving forward? So I think uh, don't be surprised if North Carolina maybe wants to choose or uh, add on some, some extra attackers into the mix for their team moving forward.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I I even think with uh, Riley Matling or Parker, being at eleven, it's it's a little low for a player of this caliber because uh went to the college cup with Alabama, Mac Herman Trophy semi-finalist. She was an all-American SEC forward of the year. Uh she's a scholar. I think that she'll fit in really well at North Carolina because as you mentioned, she can play across the front line. You could even drop her a little bit deeper if you needed to. She's got uh, a lot of versatility in her skill and what she's able to do. She's a head down um, and fight for it. Like this was, I, I think I could also, like between Kansas City going with Rena Reyes and then North Carolina with Matling Parker, I, I could see that flip almost a little bit. But I, I like to keep Rena Reyes as a defender with Kansas City current. But I'm really excited to see how high this. Play player goes but i think north carolina would be a really good pick for for parker as a forward heading into this league. I mean, they lost Demenia. They've got to sure up. They've got to have a little bit of depth. You're going to lose Caroline at the World Cup. You're going to lose some of these other players during World Cup time and, and international play.
2: Let's close out this first round and our mock draft at number 12. Portland Thorns have the final selection of the first round. And listen, we chatted about the middle area of this draft order. We think there might be some movement uh, come draft day. So I'm a little curious as if we're correct in, in predicting that maybe there could be some movement in those middle selections. And what would that mean for this final selection for the Thorns in this category and in the event that they still need a defender, we're going to stick with it. We're going to go with Jalissa Harris, the defender center back out of South Carolina. Listen, I'm just going to echo my sentiments from that earlier selection in the events that uh, this is the position that they want to target. Um, Got to have depth along that back line. You're going to miss somebody like a Becky Sauerbrunn who was likely going to a world cup at this point. I don't think that that is a, would be a shocker if folks saw the 37 year old captain going to the world cup. Uh, and then you're going to, you know, have a, a large window of time there. So uh, where maybe you're going to need some, some depth to slot in to those positions. And we're coming off of a season for, for Portland where we saw somebody like an Emily Menges have to navigate various injury, right. A player who's also in a different um stage and phase of her career. So they're definitely going to have to start looking at some areas to provide depth in that position specifically. And I think uh, Harris is is a good option at this point on the board at the final selection in the first round.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think Portland Thorns taking a player like Jalissa Harris out of South Carolina is going to be a huge move. And and you talked about how versatile Harris is because she can play across the back line. Center back is her, her main role, but she can also play higher up the pitch. And I think with Portland, we could see her being floated around a little bit to fill a hole where it's needed, whereas traditionally her role will be in the center back. Uh, will she get there initially? I'm not sure. Maybe they'll starter on the outside or starter a little higher up the field, but Harris is a four-time conference, all American. She she brings a lot of depth, she brings a lot of talent to this Portland side. And if Portland stays at this number 12 pick, they should go with Harris. So Portland's got a number five pick a- in which they're going to take Emily Madrill, another defender formerly with FSU that went to play professionally. And now they're going with Jalissa Harris, a-, a defender, a center back out of South Carolina at- to close out the first round. And that's if Portland stays here. I, I- I mean, we talked about it a little bit, Sandra. I could foresee Portland making a trade, Kansas City making a trade out of that number 10 spot. Maybe we'll see a team like Washington Spirit somehow wiggle their way into this first round to get one of these top 12 draft prospects. There's definitely a lot of moving parts to come, but uh, this is is a pretty good round out about where everything is for now. I'm excited about it. That's it for our mock draft. We
2: just wanted to do the first uh, round for everyone, and, and Lisa and I are going to be in Philly for the 2023 NWSL draft. So we're going to see firsthand uh, how how hit or miss we were uh, in this mock draft order. I'm excited for 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 chaos. I think we're always excited to see some some movement around this day, and it's an exciting um, event in general, and it's very very cool that the NWSL draft is returning to a live and in-person event for the first time since 2020. We can't wait to participate in it. Thanks everybody for joining
0: us today and always listening to attack. For for our massive episode, for our massive episode, there's so much we covered. So thanks everyone for sticking around if you made it this far.
2: Uh, honestly, I'm pretty sure this might be our, our longest episode ever, but uh, shout out to uh, the, the league and everyone for announcing everything on Monday. And now we were forced to talk about it today alongside our mock draft episode. Listen, if you uh, like what we do here, make sure you download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us, subscribe, youtube.com slash attacking third, like, follow, subscribe, leave those comments. We want to hear from you. The NWSL Draft is Thursday, January 12th. Watch it across CBS Sports Platform, CBS Sports Network, Paramount Plus, and CBS Sports HQ. We'll have your previews, your live coverage, your recaps, everything on A3. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Fist. Okay,
3: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.